97, maybe 98. And uh, she just wants to greet you all and wish you a Merry Christmas. Isn't that great? Praise God. And also I received a Christmas card from Peter Utov. Most of you remember Peter. He was the man who came into the church here, was baptized. He uh, attended Kent Christian College, went back to Bulgaria. Uh, Don Moran located him out on a farm out near Sun Prairie. And he sent us a nice card, and he wishes all of you a very Merry Christmas. And we do support him every month through our missions giving. Um, He is attending a college, and I think it's in, I'd have to look it up, but I think it's in Philadelphia. Uh, But it is a, a Christian college, and the government is requiring that he receive a recognized degree in order to be a preacher in Bulgaria. That is, he doesn't have to go underground so he's doing this, and, and we really thank the Lord for it. Deuteronomy 28. <clears throat> All right, now, how many of you remember what Deuteronomy means? The second law giving. All right, some people forget, don't they? <clears throat> All right, Deuteronomy. verse uh, Chapter 28, pardon me, verse 1. And it is good to see all of you here. All of you. We have guests from all over the USA, and it's just good to see all of you here in the house of God. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of the ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shall thou be when thou comest in. And blessed shall thou be when thou goest out. Now the whole chapter is about blessings. And I want to take my uh, title of this message from verse 2. All these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. So I want to speak this morning on the subject overtaken by a good thing. Praise God. And you may be seated. This is just kind of a fun message. At least I'm going to have fun preaching it. I hope that you have fun listening to it. Uh, I preached a message up at camp, and I preached it in several camp meetings, and I preached it here, but I had a different title. I called it All for $50. And I guess I had as much fun doing this as any message that I have ever preached. It... uh, This message had to do with uh, a a person simply obeying God, so I'll make reference to it a little bit later on. But it is amazing to me what God will do for people if they will allow him. Now, they must allow him. Now, 
I'd like to read Proverbs 10, verse 6. Proverbs 10, verse 6. And by the way, this does have to do with giving, so we're close to, close to Christmas. We'll be talking about giving. Proverbs 10, verse 6. Blessed, blessings are upon the head of the just, but violence overcometh the mouth of the wicked. And then verse 22, the blessings of the Lord, it maketh rich, and it addeth no sorrow with it. We sung about it this morning, didn't we? I like that. Oh, the blessings of the Lord, they are rich, don't you know? With them, there's no sorrow, but joy forevermore. And then chapter 28 of Proverbs, Proverbs 28, verse 20, Proverbs 28, verse 20. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. And if you look at what the writer is saying when he says, shall not be innocent, they, the situation that we saw in the Garden of Eden was a, a dispensation or period of time which is called the period of innocency when man lived in innocency and what has happened to us who have been redeemed down through the years as God began to work with man his intent was to restore man back to his original state of innocency now it is true that we are not as innocent as we would like to be. And, and when we say innocent, we're talking about guiltless. A person who has received forgiveness and the guilt and condemnation of sin has been taken away. But our full redemption will come because Jesus Christ came into the world and here he bled and died and suffered that we might be forgiven. Now, I would like to say this when I talk about blessings, what automatically comes to a lot of people's mind is the material blessings, that is, an abundance of money. I'm sure that all of you'd like to, to have more money than what you have. Most of you would not turn down any money. I, I, I just... Uh, would have a hard time turning down money myself. I remember Jack Hiles telling the story. Jack Hiles is in the Chicago area, and actually I think he's in Hammond, Indiana. But uh, he was telling the story about uh, his people sacrificing. And they were, they were trying to build a building, and they were raising funds. And some rich man in the city found out that they were raising funds for this church, and he decided that that he would uh, would bless them. And so he wrote out a check for one million dollars, brought it into the pastor's office. But when the man left, he left with his check. Pastor Hiles refused to take his check. He said, "We are close to." reaching that particular goal, and he said, our people have sacrificed, we want this to be our building, and I will not negate their blessings. 
by taking your offering. He had prayed about it, and the Lord told him. Of course, he felt this man had some political reasons uh, for giving the money. But I, I can hardly feature someone turning down a million dollars. But uh, they turned it down and said, when the building is built, it's going to be our building. Something we work for, something we put ourselves into, something that we built. The blessings of the Lord will come and rest upon us because we all sacrificed. He had talked to the man about perhaps putting the money in missions, but the man wanted to put it in the building. And he would not accept the gift. Maketh rich. The Bible talks about the blessings of the Lord maketh rich. All too often material wealth in this world is gained through wickedness and greed. We see that on every hand, don't we? And therefore is not from God. Now true riches consist of the blessings of God. That is God blessing you. God putting his hand upon you. Now whether we're rich or poor, the Lord's presence and favor are our greatest assets. Do you hear what I'm saying? Whether we're rich or poor, the Lord's presence and favor or our greatest assets. We, we have to keep that in mind. We have to keep that in mind. Now, it does go without being said that uh, a man who is born a woman uh, living in this world that has been cursed of God will experience suffering and pain. And what I am talking to you about today is no quick cure-all for life. But on the other hand, we do know that as we look into the Scripture, that we find that the continual blessings of God are promised to those people who observe His commandments and keep His commandments. Now, some people really never seem to, to get into this. They don't really seem to understand exactly what's taking place. In other words, if you live a life that is obedient to the Lord, God will come and bless you. Now, it takes discipline on your part in order for this to happen. But it seems to me like that I read somewhere that the word disciple comes from the word discipline. A disciple is one who disciplines himself, himself to the teachings of another. Now listen to this, Deuteronomy eleven twenty six. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments. Now sometimes what happens to Christians, though, they go through a trial. And when they get into this trial, it's like the curse of God rests upon them. And quite frankly, sometimes that is the case. Now, they may go into this trial, and it may be by divine choice. It may be something that God orders or God allows. But in the midst of this trial or this time of testing, they begin to break the commandments of God. In other words, their resistance against evil, their resistance against sin, their resistance against Satan... Uh, becomes very, very low, and therefore they give themselves over to that, 
And they put themselves in a lifelong crisis. A, 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 a curse of God resting upon them because in the midst of this trial, they simply flunked the test. Now you have to keep in mind what I'm saying now because it just might be that I'm talking to somebody here today who needs to hear what I'm talking about. And while it is true that, that God does not, does not tempt us, uh, neither can He be tempted He will allow us to go into a time of testing, and even in that time of testing, if our fidelity and loyalty is not to God, please keep in mind that there are certain laws that God has set in motion, and they will rest, in fact, upon every human being. And even in a time of testing, if you're disobedient to God, Let's say that, that all of a sudden some test comes your way. Let's say a sickness or whatever. And, and you can't make it to church. And, and, and you know, if, if you miss church, regardless of why you miss church, your appetite for fellowship and for the Word begins to diminish. And, and after a while, you know, you're feeling like coming to church, but you just won't come to church now because you've lost that appetite. That desire is not there. And, and, and then, then, then after a while, your sickness gets greater and greater and greater. And your desire gets less and less and less and less. And sometimes we think, well, this is just life. But while it may be just life, we also understand that God is the giver of life and that there are certain things that are, that are, that are constructed and certain things that are designed uh, by divine order. And if during that time of testing we fail God, don't expect God just because of His mercy or because of His grace to bail us out when we're not being loyal to Him. Now, <clears throat> let me just uh, take this one step further. Well, I want to read Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. This is the last charge that, that Moses gives to Israel. And I connect this, this uh, uh, with uh, Deuteronomy eleven twenty six. Let me read eleven twenty six. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. And then Deuteronomy thirty fifteen. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil. And when we think of good, we think of blessings. When we think of evil, we think of a curse. And the Lord told Israel that he would bless those that bless him and curse those that cursed him. However, you have to understand that this was not just a blanket policy that would cover Israel, regardless of which direction she chose in her relationship with God. That was not the case, because we do find the curse of God in many cases resting upon Israel because of her infidelity and disobedience to the Lord himself. Now, I want to talk about the value of giving. Uh, let's turn to Ecclesiastes, the 11th chapter, and I want to read verse 1. As you're turning there, I want to continue to talk to you about this particular principle that I feel that is so very, very important. Let's say that a person goes through a trial, and we all go through trials. Now, that simply means that life is going to be tough occasionally. 
But you see, when life gets tough, what do you have to do? You have to get tough too. You have to be more determined. If there's something that comes along that would somehow cause you not to be loyal to God, what do you have to do? You have to get tougher. In other words, you, in your own mind, you have to make up your mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live for God regardless. I'm going to keep going. I may, be, I may be broke. I may have to hitch a ride. I may have to do this or that or whatever, but I'm going to keep going. And you've got to remember one thing, brothers and sisters, that we who live in America... The land that has been so blessed of Almighty God that we will be judged alongside of people who spent much, 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 much of their uh, effort and time just to get to the house of God. Now, before we read Ecclesiastes 11, let me just throw something in. I've seen people that, that just kind of faded by the, by the wayside. They have backslidden. I have not seen one person who, have back, who has backslidden from the truth that prospered. Now you may say, well, I, I know this person and they became a millionaire. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a person who the blessings of the Lord rested upon. Now I can show you many, many people that made wrong choices that backslid. And as a result, they're bitter. They don't have any fun in life anymore. Their homes are broken. There's heartache that set in. There's drinking problems. Some have ended up in prison. As a result, you know, we need to learn lessons by this. That a life that is void of the blessings of God is headed for destruction. I I, I talk to people about the value of staying prayed up. You see, nobody can take my Jesus away from me. Nobody can take the Holy Ghost away from me. Now, we're just having one service here today. Let's have a Sunday night service. How about it? Praise God. Nobody can take the Holy Ghost away from me. Nobody can take my Jesus away from me. Nobody can cause me to lose out with God. Now, I might get discouraged and not pray, and I may be too tired and not pray, but nobody can take it away from me. In other words, I can stay on fire. Praise God. I can be a prayed up Christian. I can keep the Lord in my heart every day. I can have the victory. Praise God. Praise God. But let's say that all of a sudden that we just decided we wouldn't pray. Or maybe we didn't decide it. Sometimes, you know, you don't. I was just talking to someone this past week. And, 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 and this brother gave me a very, very good example. He said, you know, backsliding is like... Like carbon monoxide. You, you see, you, you've heard of people become poisoned because of this. There are radio advertisements now about carbon monoxide. And this, this little boy, you probably heard this one on the radio. The utility companies are, are encouraging people to put in a carbon monoxide detector. And uh, this little boy, he's, his mother's tucking him in, and he says, Would you check my closet? He said, I think I saw a hairy monster in my closet. And, of course, uh, what they're trying to get you to understand is that there can be an enemy, a monster, that, that's in your house, and you don't know about it. And, and the, the, the funny thing about this carbon monoxide is that it's colorless, tasteless, and odorless. And that just simply means, then, that 
that you just get a little bit sleepy and a little drowsy and you nod off and death is painless. You don't know that it's happening. And before you know it, you're gone. And that's what happens to people when they backslide. Most people don't just intentionally mean to backslide. They just don't. Now I want to talk to you about the best thing possible to the nat- for the natural man. All right. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes 11. We talk about the value of giving. Now this is Christmas time. I think this is an important time of the year. Now, when I talk about giving, as far as I can see in the Scripture, there are three reasons why that we give. One, we give to meet the need of another person. Now, some of you people have heard me talk about all these things many times. And, and that's, that's very important. If you, if you know someone that has a need and you have what you have, to meet that need for that person, and you fail to do it. Uh, the Bible says that the love of God's just not in you. How can you say the love of God's in you? So we give to meet the need of another person. The second reason why we give is we give because we love and we care. Now, three wise men travel from the east. We say three. The tradition says three. We're not really for sure how many. But they came from the east and they brought gifts to Jesus. Now, his name was Jesus, which was God with us. Emmanuel being interpreted God with us. Now, did God really need their gifts? No. Do do you think the baby Jesus needed those gifts? Now, Mary and Joseph might have needed them. But I doubt very seriously that uh, the gifts were given as a result of of a need. You know why they brought those gifts? To show love, respect, and honor to God. And, And this is Christmas time. And I do know that in many cases we give because people need. But for the most part we give because we love, because we care. And there are times in which the, the cost of the gift doesn't mean that much. It's, you know, there, I've, I've had people to, uh, tell me in times past when we were sharing gifts or giving gifts, well, I, I, I just didn't, this is all I can afford. But, but that's not necessarily the reason why that uh, it's important to give. You give because you care. Now, I came from a from a very very poor setting. Uh, just uh, quite frankly, you know, it just we just didn't have a whole lot of anything. And you know, nowadays, all the toys and everything. Now, listen, the, the, all these Lego sets and things that. I'm not. I'm not against all those things. I like to see children and people with it. But I'm just saying that that you know we can. If you don't have the money, you you can still have a good Christmas. 
I remember when we used to make things for each other. I made my mom and dad things that I know when they looked at it, they thought, what am I going to do with this? <clears throat> you know, yeah, what is it? <clears throat> I've had some of the, the children in their classrooms to make me little gifts, and they bring down to my office, and I'd look at it, and I want to say, what is this? <laughs> and they would just be so happy. To give me this gift. So we give because we love. And the third reason that we give is we give in order to secure our future. Now, did you hear what I I said? See? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now, I want you to listen to this, this reading. Cast thy bread upon the waters, and thou shalt find it not many days. Thou shalt find it after many days. All right? Give a portion to seven, and also to eight. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the, the south or toward the north, and the place... Where the tree falleth, there it shall be. In other words, what the Scripture is saying, whatever your deeds are, you can expect the results or the consequences of these deeds because certain things are set. In other words, just like a tree when it falls, unless somebody comes by and moves it, where's it going to stay? It's going to stay right there. Why? Because it does not possess life to move or change itself. And there are certain laws that God has. And when we do, contrary to those laws, it's like the tree that falls. Wherever it is, that's where it's going to be. The consequences will be that way. All right, he that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. Now, if you will back up, you will find that the rider of this uh, passage of Scripture is talking about a very, very important principle. Cast thy bread upon the waters, and thou shalt find it after many days. Now, the word bread is used here. Uh, in, the, in the Hebrew, the word bread was used several times for grain. In other words, if you had a sack of grain, it would be considered a sack of bread. But basically, what I like about it is that the concept that God is is talking about, he says, if you do it this way, see, grain in your hand is as good as bread on the table. That's basically what he's saying. So you take the grain out, you scatter the grain, broadcast the grain. When the rivers are overflowing and you cast the, the water, cast the, the, the grain out on the water, and then, of course, the waters recede, go back into their banks, what happens to the seed? They are placed right there in the ground. Now, he said, give a portion to seven and also to eight. Now, this has to do with the law of giving. You will find throughout the Old Testament that uh, God constantly talked to uh, the Jewish people 
about their obligation to the poor, their obligation to, to people who were less fortunate than they themselves. So this is talking about giving. So in the average household, because there were no preservatives and such in those days, they always kept enough food for seven days, approximately seven days. And, of course, some foods would not keep that long, but but that, that would be the case. Now, occasionally someone would keep enough for eight days. So someone knocks on your door and they, they're, they're, they're in need. They, they have a need. So uh, you take one portion. Well, you, you, you may say, well, I got six portions left. It's no big deal. Got enough to last. But after a while, somebody else knocks on the door, and they're asking for a portion. Well, it's no big deal. i got five portions left. After a while, though, things keep cropping up. You're down to two portions. And then you're down to one portion. Well, I'm going to keep my portion. But let's say that you were one of those real thrifty individuals, and somehow you managed maybe a little bit on the frugal side, and so you have eight portions. So you give your seventh portion away. But then someone knocks on your door and they want your last portion. Now what are you going to do? Now, the Scripture says, and it talks about the principle. Now, it says, Give a portion to seven, and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. Now, that is contrary to human reasoning. Because what God is saying, you go ahead and give it away, because you don't know what tomorrow brings. Now, our way of thinking is, I will keep it because I don't know what tomorrow brings. But God says, you go ahead and give it because you don't know what tomorrow brings. In other words, you will secure your future by obeying the commandments of God. Now, can you believe that? Now, that's what the Scripture is saying. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. In other words, what he's saying is this, that every time you give, it's like the vapors that go up into the clouds. And if you give enough or you send up enough to fill up the clouds, it will rain. But you have to keep in mind one thing, that whichever direction the tree falls, that's the way it's going to fall. So if you have not obeyed, and the tree falls, you'll live by the consequences of your disobedience. But if you have obeyed and the tree falls, you'll also live by the blessings of your obedience. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Hebrews 6, verse 7. I told you, this is not a Sunday morning service now. Let's loosen up a little bit. Hebrews 6, verse 7. For the earth 
which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs meat for them, by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. Now basically what the, the Bible is talking also about the same principle here. You know, it can be dry, 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 and all of a sudden it can rain, 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 and the earth just takes it up like a sponge. Now, the thing is, what have you planted in the ground? Whatever you planted in the ground, kind of seed you've planted. If you planted seeds of briars and thorns and such, in other words, what's going to happen? You'll just receive a curse from God. I don't know how many times I have talked to parents, even warned parents. There's a reason why I've told parents that we've seen these little choruses. Oh, be careful little ears what you hear. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Characters taught more to kids by example than any other thing. It's just that dad does this, mom does this, so I do it. <clears throat> mom goes to church, mom prays, mom reads her Bible, mom loves Jesus, mom doesn't talk about our neighbors, mom doesn't talk about the pastor, mom doesn't talk about Sunday school teachers, mom loves everybody. So when we're in church and we're singing, the old-time religion makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody. Mom loves everybody. Dad loves everybody. So I need to love everybody. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. <clears throat> One of the greatest disagreements I've ever had with any Christian... Was, was over this, this business that I'm talking about. I remember uh, such a good relationship that I had for years, and I say for years and years, for some time. But it seems like every time I would go to this particular house, and everything was just spread and everything was nice, that all they could do is talk about people in the church. Well, one night I just really felt the power of God come upon me, and I got real brave. You know, when someone's doing something nice for you, you want to be kind and nice. But I stopped and I said, hold it just a minute. I said, I really do enjoy coming over here, and I enjoy your fellowship so very much. And you folks have made Sister Grant and I feel so royal. And, and, and I, I tell you, I just I really do appreciate it. But the one thing we do when we come over here, we end up talking about everybody in the church. Now, I said, I feel like a first-class hypocrite when I go home. I said, everybody in our church has got things that I could talk about. <clears throat> but I said, I stand behind the pulpit. And I tell our people, don't be engaged in that. Everybody has faults. You can find all of these faults. If you, if you look for them, they're always there. But you see, I can leave here and go home and talk about you folks. And when I leave, you can talk about me. And maybe that is the case. And I want to continue this relationship. But let's see if we can turn this around and look at all the top qualities of the saints at Calvary Gospel Church. And let's see if we can brag on these people and build these people up and pray for these people and talk good about these people. Let me tell you something. It's hard to pray intercessory prayers for people.
that you gossip about. You know the reason why? Because you don't care about those people. But if you're praying for those people and you love those people and you care for those people, it sure alters your conversation about them. Remember one time a man came to me and said, Well, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to come back here anymore. He said, I just, he found so many faults that people have. I said, Well, you, you act like you, that you're faultless. <clears throat> I said, oh, oh, Let me ask you this. I said, uh, The average person on a scale from one to ten, uh, where do you think their fault uh, level is? Well, somewhere around here at Calvary Gospel Church, probably. Eight or nine. Where do you think yours is? <clears throat> well, he wasn't going to answer me. <clears throat> I said, honestly, where do you think your fault level is? Well, he said, I'm probably a five. I said, well, what I'd like to do, with your permission, I'd like to, I'd like to solicit around and find out where, what everybody else thinks your fault level is. He said, well, that wouldn't be right. Don't do me that way. I said, well, why would you be doing everybody else that way then? What what makes you think that you can go around finding fault with everyone? But you don't want anybody. You don't want to put yourself there to be judged of everybody else. Well, this person ended up leaving the church. I, I told this individual, I said, you've heard me preach, you've heard me preach many times. Do you think the type message that I preach at Calvary Gospel Church leads you or anybody else to believe that I am happy with all the activities of all the people at Calvary Gospel? Do you think that I am perfectly content with the conduct? Absolutely not. This is a reason why on Sunday night, and sometimes Thursday night. Sunday morning, it's a little bit different. You know, we have a lot of guests. we got a lot of guests here. But we do have a lot of Pentecostal guests here. You know, Sunday morning is kind of the pat on the back. You know, I make everybody feel happy. Sunday night is kind of the kick in the seat. And let's get with the program. And it takes that, doesn't it? Sure it does. Oh, yes, it does. I said, now you, you, you must understand that I'm not happy with every, everything. Well, he, he was looking for the perfect church like the one lady told me. I'm looking for the perfect church. I said, if you find it, don't join it. Why? I said, you'll spoil it. <clears throat> So, some people, they're like the earth. They just drink up the blessings of God. They drink up the Holy Ghost. They drink up God's Spirit. And as a result, guess what happens? Blessings grow in their lives. Others, though, they drink up contrary things. I want to be like a sponge. Brother Manley stood here Thursday night behind the pulpit and challenged us all. I mean, it really challenged us. Brother Rich Thomas stood behind this pulpit and really challenged us just a few weeks ago. We've had some very challenging messages preached from behind this pulpit. 
our missionaries who have come by. They have really challenged us. They've talked to us about the need of evangelization of our entire planet Earth. I want to drink it up. I want to live by it. I want to love it. There may be some things about it that I may not necessarily understand. And maybe some things that I, you know, there are things about God that I, I disagree with. You may say, Brother Grant, do you disagree with God? My flesh does. The Bible says it does. And I suppose if the Bible says it does, it must. Quite frankly, I was tired this morning. Quite frankly, I ached this morning. Quite frankly, I didn't feel like getting out of bed. But I didn't feel like coming Thursday night either. But I came. I'm glad I came. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Why? Because i got to drink this up. i got to be like the earth that's, that's longing and crying for rain. I've got to be like the sponge. Let me take in the Holy Ghost. Let me take in the presence and power of God. Give it to me, O oh Lord. Why? Because my life must emit the blessings of Almighty God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a big hand, would you? I'll tell you, the Lord challenges my mind all the time. This this Hebrews, uh, say Hebrews Ecclesiastes 11 law really does challenge my mind. Give a portion to seven and to eight because you don't know. And my mind says, don't keep keep the eighth portion. Keep one portion because you don't know. God says, give it because you don't know. I said, oh my. Listen to this, Proverbs 3. All right, Proverbs 3. I don't know how many times I've mentioned this in a message, but I must today. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them upon thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Now listen to this. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Now, here's a statement I make almost every camp meeting that I preach in which I talk about obedience. Obedience to God should never be predicated upon understanding only. But always upon trust. You know the reason why most people won't obey? Because they don't understand. You see, the system of the world is that you show me and I'll believe. God says you believe and I'll show you. You have scripture for that? Oh, yes, I do. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You must first believe. 
And these signs shall follow them that believe. Isn't that what the Bible says? The Lord didn't say, I'm going to give you a bunch of signs so that you become believers. He said, you become believers and these signs shall follow thee. So the system of the world is, you show me, I'll believe. God says, you trust in me, you believe in me, and I'll show you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. So obedience to God should never be based totally upon understanding, but upon trust. Trust in the Lord. And lean not unto thine own understanding. Now listen to this. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Now, isn't that great? Now, that just kind of blows your mind, doesn't it? <clears throat> what the Lord is saying, you know, if you, if you honor God, we, we're talking about giving, so we'll just lump it all in. That earth that takes in all the rain, and the blessings are growing out of you. You know, some people don't ever, they, there are some people, though, that are so hung up on money, let me tell you something. You know how you can tell if you conquer greed? How that you've conquered greed is found in your ability to open your hand and give. That's the only evidence you'll ever have. To open your hand and let go of things. <clears throat> Amen. But some people don't learn that. And I've had people who say, Brother Grant, I need to talk to you. Well, I don't know what we're going to do. We just this, that, you know, just I don't know what we're going to do. Now, I understand that there are many factors in life, and I'm not trying to come down hard on anyone. I'm talking to maybe someone here who is just simply living in disobedience. I do not believe that Christianity is a get-rich-quick program. I do not believe that. And I do not believe that to have wealth and riches that is necessarily talking about money. Let, let me let me just let's go back to the Deuteronomy twenty eight. I've got to close here, see. I've got to talk about this fifty dollars again. <clears throat> now if you look in Deuteronomy twenty eight, <clears throat> and all these blessings shall come to thee and overtake thee. Thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shall thou be when blessed shall thou be in the city, blessed shall thou be in the field, blessed shall thou be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of the ground, and the fruit of the cattle, and the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of the sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. In other words, everything, if you look at this. Look at this. Now, you, you know, the thing about it is, if you back up in, in Deuteronomy 27, uh, and, and you start reading verse 16 all the way down through the end of the chapter, it's all these 
curse things. If you do this, if you do... Some people look at Christianity. I better not do this. I'm going to get cursed. Oh, can't do this. Can't do that. Can't do that. But God is turning around and saying, Oh, but the blessings and the things you can do far outweigh. You understand? Now, let's say we have a person in our church I just can't. I just can't understand paying tithing. Preacher's getting rich, dressing a new suit. Isn't that something? We go to a doctor, a lawyer, anybody else. If you went to a doctor that that opened house in a storefront someplace, drove an old rusted out car, you wouldn't even go in there. You know, you have to lay that stinking thinking aside. As far as the tithing goes at Calvary Gospel Church, it is true that you folks make my living and pay my way through life. And I want to tell you, I don't take it lightly. I really mean that. Of course, the tithing... Program here at Calvary Gospel Church also includes other ministries and the staff. As far as the percentage that actually goes into income for me is 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 far far less than uh, what you might think. Now, <clears throat> separate and apart from all those hang-ups, though, that some people have, let's say that you had a job and you made $500 a week. The tithing on that is how much? $50. Okay, it's not $32.50. It's not forty-seven seventy-five. <clears throat> now, Basically, see, this is what the Lord says through obedience. Now, let me make another statement. Now, this this has this statement in, involves money, but on the other hand, it, it involves all walks of life. Any time, any time that you disobey God intentionally. In other words, you know, but you, you, you won't do. You will never progress in God one step further than your last intentional act of disobedience. In other words, that's as far as you're going. So if you're, you're having a struggle, there's, there's a hang-up. I can't do Oh, God, I can't do this. I can't do this. <clears throat> Let's say that you understand. That you can, but you won't. Now, let's just let's, let's look at the stupidity in it. What you're saying is, God, I can't do this, Lord. I'm not going to do this. And God's looking up or looking down upon you and say, yeah, you can do that. No, I can't. 
but you know what the law is. But I can't, God, I won't. Because if you don't take care of me, I take care of myself, Lord. Can God really be trusted with your life? Can you trust God with your life? I mean, you have to watch God now. He might pull a good one on you. But let's say that you understand this, but you just don't feel that you can afford it. But however, here you go. So, you make a stab at it. Now, the Lord is saying, this is what he's saying. When you get up in the morning, the blessings of God's going to rest upon you. When you drive down the highway, the blessings of God's going to rest upon you. When you go to your work, the blessings of God's going to rest upon you. When you go out with a group to eat at lunch, the blessings of God's going to rest upon you. When you come back that afternoon to work, the blessings of God's going to rest upon you. When you get in your car and drive down the freeway, the blessings of God's going to rest upon you. When you get home that night, the blessings of God's going to rest upon you. All for $50. You may say, oh, Brother Grant, sounds like you're buying God. I'm just, I'm, I'm here To support what the Bible says, my friend. I did not write it. I didn't write it. And I don't choose to tamper with it. But I do know this. That if we obey God, the blessings of God will rest upon us. So let's say when you get up in the morning. And God's blessings rest upon you. All of a sudden you feel real good. Now, you've been having to go to the medicine cabinet and and down all those pills but today you think oh i feel pretty good okay you get in your car you go down the road you know you could have a flat you may say oh well that's what the bible's talking about i mean you could have a flat now i am not saying you won't have a flat i'm not saying that but i will say this that if you obey God and you have a flat that God will send some great blessing by to help you. Brother Dave Ponzel was just telling me about his, his truck and what he got this, this 88 Chevy truck for. And then he talked about transmission. He talked about what a good deal he got. Mm-hmm. You go out there and look at that dually. It's got four tires on the back. Transmission with that thing. Pay two thousand dollars. He got one for seven hundred, guaranteed for a year. <clears throat> what did he do? He just saved thirteen hundred dollars, all for fifty dollars. You think about that. Then you think about people say, "I can't do this," and they lose out with God and they backslide, and they say, "Well, I get tired. I spend so much money going to church." Then all of a sudden they pick up a drinking habit, have to go into a rehab center someplace, and then every week 
You've got to go to AA. AA. So why are you sitting here in AA? Well, you see, I developed this drinking problem. And, and as a result, well, the wife left me. Home's busted up now. I spent thousands and thousands of dollars. I've got to come over here for counseling now. Also, I have to go into a court-appointed counselor. Why? I'm trying to save $50. Can you believe that? Well, I don't know. We kind of dropped out of church. We got a little bit discouraged, you know, and... And, uh, well, why are you in here to see us? Well, you see, our marriage went bad, you know, and, and we need to come in twice a week, and it costs us $75 an hour when we come in. Trying to save $50. Now, if you don't think God's serious about this, this is what he says. He says, if you do this, I will do what? He says, I will overtake thee. I will overtake thee. I like that word. Man, I read about three years ago, some guy came blistering through the tollway down the Illinois coming in. He's driving a silver Corvette. And, and he thought that he, he was going to see how fast he could go across Wisconsin. Now, please, now he was violating the law, you know. Now, that's not the case. Cops, you know, they, man, they were alerted. Just, they came through here, woo, 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 you know, just the whole earth was shaking. So many cops chased him. He was not going to be overtaken. <clears throat> I read a story not too long ago in the Reader's Digest about this gentleman. He's going down the road, and he's just minding his own business. All of a sudden, he looked up, and, and the light was flashing. He just took out just as fast as he could go, just floorboard it. <clears throat> Full steam ahead. Man, I'm telling you, the highway patrol, they chasing him, chasing him, chasing him. They set up a roadblock, and he went around that. He pulled off one exit and went out in the country. They were still behind him. Just zing, zing, zing. Finally, he turned on a gravel road and went down, and would you believe it was dead end? So he got right down to the river bottom and had to slide in before he went into the river. The cops came, looked at him, and said, Man, what in the world is this all about? He said, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? He said, well, he said, you know, I don't understand why you're driving so fast. He said, really, there was nothing wrong. He said, "Uh, your license plate must fall off the the back back there. He said, said, let me ask you this. What are you running from? He said, well, it's like this, you know. He said, last week, my wife ran off with a highway patrolman, and I thought, sure, you were the guy, and you were bringing her home. Now, here's my whole point in this, okay? Listen to this. <laughs> Deuteronomy 28, verse 2. All right. And all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. You're making me forget what I'm saying, okay? All right. 
Now listen to this. Deuteronomy 28.15 But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and do all his commandments and his statutes, which I have commanded you this day, all that these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Now what I'm saying is, that God's either going to chase you and overtake you to bless you. Or he's going to overtake you to give you a fine. You may say, well, I don't think I'm going to run at all. Well, I know that you don't run from God. You're not supposed to run from God. But God was so sure about his principles that this is what he's saying. I don't care how busy you are in life. If you're obedient, I'll track you down. I'll overtake you. And I'll put a blessing on you. Now let me tell you something. This is Christmas time. Last night, I was in the living room praying. Had a big fire in the fireplace. Sister Grant had built this fire. She loves the fires. It can be 80 degrees in there, and she still wants a fire. Ah, she loves that fire. So the lights were all out, and I was praying. All of a sudden, the door opened. I could see her when she came through, and she closed the door, and she came over and sat down by me. So we were just sitting there then looking at the fire. And she said, Hun, did you ever believe that God would bless us? I could never count. I've never been happier in my life. Doesn't happiness count for something? I've never been content, as content with my role in life as I am now. She's been making little Christmas gifts for the grandkids and things. Just enjoying it all week. Who would have ever believed that God would be so mindful of us? That he'd bless us this way. I want you to stand with me. Most all of us will be departing from this place, going to be with our families. Some of the families are here. But I want to sing the chorus. I am blessed. I am blessed. Would you count your blessings right now?
you loved us. You forgave us of our sins. You took bitterness out of our heart. You took lust out of our heart. You took greed out of our heart. You took strife out of our heart. You gave us joy and peace and happiness. We are blessed, Lord. Overtaken by a good thing.